everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 302. And tonight, we don't have a Night Vale episode to recap because I think the next episode drops at time of this recording in two days. Yes. Oh. Yes. And um, there is a very, you know, today's a very special day around the entire country. Do you know what today is? Oh, wow. Is that that big sports thing? I think there may be a lot of points involved. Oh, wow. I was going to say that it's the day before Valentine's Day. But yeah, I guess there's a sports thing going on, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That big sports thing. Um, Yeah. Lots of people really caring a bunch about it. Yeah. I I guess I just don't have a dog in this fight, even though it's the LA Rams. I, I don't really follow any... LA teams. I follow some San Diego teams, but not LA. But I, you know, I hope LA does well because that would be, you know, yay, California. Oh, well, yeah, that's exact opposite here. We have some friends who live up in Cincinnati, so at least one of them is rooting for the Bengals. So, yay. Yay. I hope everybody who is rooting for those things enjoys. I've heard from a few people that they thought that the Rams were real likely, but they thought it was going to be a really good game because Cincinnati is like, they are fearless. So, (laughs) um, yeah, that's awesome. So, instead of talking about those things, we thought what we would talk about is, oh my god, we actually finished watching the first season of Raised by Wolves. And I believe at this time, there's only been like two episodes dropped in the next season, which is pretty good for us. I think it's three episodes, actually. Rats. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Still pretty good for us. We're bad at TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Um, I think my reaction, having watched the final episode last night, was what the hell did I just watch? Yeah, that was... I've been seeing that snake imagery showing up in the promo pictures for season two. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't... I I thought for sure it was going to be something involved with those gigantic holes in Kepler 22b, but I did not realize that that was going to be what it actually was. Yes. Okay, so obviously... Great big massive spoiler warning if you have not watched the first season of Raised by Wolves and you're planning on doing so. Um, <laughs> I, I finished watching it and then I had to kind of go and check out like Forbes and Collider and Screen Rant um, and several other sites, which I will post links in the podcast description. They all have these great season one Raised by Wolves explained. And a lot of them are actually interviewing the creator. Mm-hmm. So he's got some insights as well. But I did like this line in the Collider review. It said, this is a story about two androids raising young humans on a foreign planet in order to reboot the human race. It's a story about the consequences of conflicting religious ideals. And it's a story about an android having sex with a ghost in a machine and giving birth to a snake baby. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Oh yes, my. Yeah. That's almost Stephen King levels of where did you pull that from? Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, the thing that I didn't realize, I didn't make this connection, and I don't know why. Yes, the giant holes in the ground, but there have been these giant snake-like skeletons all over the planet mm-hmm. since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And that is basically what she gave birth to. But it's different because it's got some of her DNA. I mean, she's an android, but um, and that's apparently why it can fly because she can fly. So yeah, like, oh, they wow. still haven't explained all of the stuff that makes Mother the terrifying creature she is. I mean, even yeah, yeah. without the eyes that allow her to weaponize, um, like she was draining blood from that, you know, the rapist dude with the big helmet on the entire time. Yeah. But when the flow was reversed and he somehow got some of her blood, he suddenly turned into a super powered creature, whatever. Oh boy. And wow. When his helmet finally smashed his head in, wasn't that satisfying? Holy crap. And it was done so well. I mean, just the idea of, because of course, you know, he had had the android assigned to him, which 
kind of this android kept watch over him, but also if he ever got more than 10 feet away from the android, the helmet would crush his head. And then you see at one point, I thought he'd actually been killed in the explosion when they had Me tried too. to kill Yeah, but here he is wandering around. He's got this backpack and mother actually opens the backpack and it's the head of the android. And she's like, how much of your functionality do you have left? <laughs> Just, I love her matter of fact, talking to the android head in his backpack. But that's how he stayed alive because he had the head and then somebody grabs it and chucks the head over a cliff. <laughs> And that's one thing I'm a little disappointed by. I was kind of hoping someone would go find the android head because I kind of I like the actor that they picked to play that particular android. But yeah, yeah, it was I mean, that whole scene, I mean, that monster just goes ahead and grabs Tempest and he's dragging her out of the cave. And it's like her worst nightmare. And poor meek little Holly is the one to stand up to him to say, no, you don't want her. She's not a believer. She stopped believing in Saul because of what you did to her. And why, while she's calling him out, Tempest is the one that manages to grab the android head and chuck it. Oh, man. Oh, they could. Who knows? They could get the head again. I hadn't realized how much of the story is actually still being developed. I mean, they definitely had a plan for season one, but apparently Paul's mother, mm-hmm. or I should put in quote marks, mother, she was originally slated to be killed at the end of this season. But one of the reasons why they kept her is they really like the actress a lot, and she is awfully good. I do too. I think it's, I mean, it's not just her acting. It's just something about her facial features. It's just one of those, oh yeah, she really works for this. I like that. Yeah, and I, I loved how I got to like her more and more. And then Marcus, I mean, talk about going over a cliff. That guy... He just went from, I don't, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest. I never liked the character. Um, He never really resonated with me. The only thing I liked about him were the times that he was being nice to Paul. But of course that's out the window because he's now cuckoo crazy pants. Yep. And I really liked him when it became more and more obvious that Paul's real parents had not been all that great. Like when he was talking to them, you know, well, they went up to him when they were all aboard the Ark and he was like, why are you talking to me? You never talk to me. And they managed to play yeah. it off like, oh, well, we're starting something new. We're going to a whole new planet. So let's change. And I'm just like, oh, my God, that poor little kid. But then oh, when Marcus brought him a little mouse as a pet for him to take care of, and Paul's first reaction was, no, I don't want to kill it. I don't want to prove that I'm strong. I'm like, yeah. can you imagine what his father put him through that that was his first reaction? So oh, I man. thought... I thought for sure that Paul was so traumatized by who his actual parents were that they would maybe bring some kind of redemption arc where he would realize that the people that chose him are so much better than the people he was born to. Nope, he's nope. turned into a tiny little assassin. Yep, yep, he certainly has. And talk about good acting. I think all the kids do a great job. It's funny, I didn't really like Campion's way of delivering lines at first until I sort of realized he's talking the way the androids talk. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, the whole time. But Paul, out of all the kids, I think has the most natural delivery and just really, the way he delivers his lines is just so neat. Um, so it's kind of a shame that towards the end, but it's not his fault. I mean... I don't know. It's awful that he kind of shot Sue because he realized the voices told him that Sue was not his actual mother and he shoots her. I'm like, and did you catch that when he was calling her out and he called her Mary? Yes. That was, that was her actual atheist name. And he wouldn't have had any reason to know that if the voices hadn't told him. So something about these voices is really, really real. Yeah. And I, it kind of bummed me out because I loved their relationship. But then I thought about it and I'm like, 
yeah, it'd be nice to have a redemption arc and, you know, to realize that these people are so much better than his actual parents. But let's just, you know, they did kill his parents Mm -hmm. and lied to him for about 13 years about it. So even without all the voices in his head, hearing that kind of information, yeah, I'm sure he'd be pretty pissed off. And it was a complete turnaround in how he was behaving because he's always been very low key and very quiet Mm -hmm. and speaking in very, you know, calm voice. And then, wow, when he was calling her out, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. going full on fanatic there, and it was pretty impressive to watch. But did yeah. he ran away after he shot her? Right? Um, I I think so. I'm trying to remember because there was so much going on at the time because the whole thing with the snake baby was happening at that point. So oh, it's like, oh my god! I know that the other kids stopped him from shooting her again. I think okay. so. He may have. Yeah, he may have run off. She is not dead. She did get shot, but she's not dead. Yeah, and then mother and father, because of the whole snake baby thing, they actually took the lander to plummet the ship down one of those holes into the core. And then they end up going straight through the core out to the opposite side of the planet to the tropical zone that everybody's been talking about this entire season. Yeah, and I've read a few recaps before now, and there have been several people pointed out that, you know, so, you know, Tally fell down a hole like five or six years ago, something like that. But somehow some part of her is still alive running around. And then Paul's mouse fell down one of the holes. And then came back inexplicably from a place nowhere near one of those holes. So there's some, and then mother and father crash through the core down the bottom, one of those holes and they don't die. So there is something very, very strange going on about these things. We still don't know a lot about what Kepler 22B is like. No, some of the recaps I read pointed out, okay, so you've got this whole other storyline. It's another one of those things where there's so many moving pieces going on and it remains to be seen how many of those threads are end up, you know, going to get picked up and tied together. But one of the things is you have have the monsters that Campion hadn't wanted to kill before, but it was really their only source of food on the entire planet because everything else would kill them like it killed his brothers and sisters. But they find out that what those monsters are is actually de-evolved human beings. And I believe the creator has made it clear that it's not just de-evolved humanoids that lived on this planet. I believe it's de-evolved humans on the planet. And so they've been eating people. So at some point, there was human beings on Kepler 22b, and they've turned into Neanderthals, basically. Yeah, yeah, or even less than Neanderthals at this point. But then there's also the fact that one of the recaps I read said that those creatures, they look the way they do. And the reason why they didn't see them for so long, so many years, you know, they didn't show up until after the Ark had crashed. That's what happened. The Ark crashed and basically cracked open the world and let these creatures out. So that uh, that kind of changes things as well. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... Lots of moving pieces, plus the fact that, I mean, Mother was impregnated by the ghost in the machine, but what's going on? I mean, it's like, it's obviously, it's not her creator that she had sex with, and yet her body has the ability to produce a creature. I mean, one of the recaps listed her as like a 3D printer, basically. And what the hell is going on with that weird five-sided thing stone in the middle of the desert that somehow was obeying Marcus's commands? And then the voices that are talking to both Marcus and Paul, telling them true things and like for a long time, keeping Marcus from killing mother. So 
it, whatever it is, obviously wanted what mother was going to be able to create. So we yeah, still, yeah. and then at the very end, there's like this atheist ship that comes flying in, which they had talked yeah. about the fact that, well, the atheists don't have the ability to build an ark like we do. Well, apparently they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, the whole bit with Marcus. When he's got mother, because, you know, they've stolen her eyes and they've captured her and whatever, and he's talking to her. And she very calmly lets him know that she knew that he was an atheist from the beginning because she saw all the surgery scars. It's like, you must have been tattooed as a child because they all the atheists have those little tattoos and everything. And I believe he even asks at one point if that's why she didn't kill him, Mm -hmm. which is a heck of a way to tie together that thread, because I wondered the same thing. I mean, she killed all the other people who came to the camp to try and take Campion away that time, but she didn't kill him. I was like, why didn't she? kill him because she knew that technically they were on the same side. Right. And I think before she threw him out of that lander, when he thought she was going to kill him, she reached out and touched that side of the face where all of his scars are covering over the tattoo. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Talk about good acting. I really love the actor who plays father. He's so good. He is. And it was, I mean, it was very interesting how he reacted when mother said that she had like gone into virtual reality and dreamed of having sex with their creator. And that's what created this baby. And he just reacted like a human would. He felt utterly betrayed. And oh, God, because I thought when he was like sitting down by himself afterwards saying, well, this is the equation. I have to stay near to take care of the children. But if I'm near mother, I will just be angry and not be able to take care of the children properly. So we have to remove this part of the equation. I thought he was going to kill mother. I was sure that was what was going to happen. Yeah, I thought exactly the same thing. I thought that was going to happen. Either that or he was going to kill himself, which is kind of what he landed on a little bit. Basically, he just wants to have all of his memories of her taken away. And he told her that he was going to have all of his memories taken away by Hunter. And there's a character who's had a really cool transformation from being this little privileged guy, you know, the son of somebody really high placed, which, you know, Tempest had no problem with telling him, yeah, they're dead. It doesn't matter anymore. But he's turned around. He's still a Mithraic, but he's actually got some compassion now for everybody. And he calls father pops. And I like that so much. So I was a little sorry that we didn't get that that particular scene where he would ask Hunter to take away his memories, because I don't think Hunter would have liked doing that at all. But that was another thing about Hunter, about the Mithraic, actually, is that all of these things that they talked about, like they sing a special song when they execute atheists, and one of the androids was singing it when her sister android was killed, and it's a celebration for anyone who doesn't have a soul that's dying because it's celebrating the fact that nothing of value was lost. And then you have, um, yeah, the fact that um, like when Marcus had that confrontation with the other Mithraics where they finally figured out he was a fraud when he said he was going to pray for people who weren't worthy of Saul. And they said a real Mithraic would never say that because you don't pray for people that don't believe in Saul. Right, Right. And then, them taking apart the tombstones of Campion's brothers and sisters and using it to build a church and having no problem with that and telling Campion, it's fine. They were atheists, so they didn't have any souls, so we don't have to worry about it. It really reminds me of everything you hear about the, um, the old witch trials. The fact that 
the reason why people were able to do such horrible things is because they thought if they didn't, then this person was just going to die and go to hell and be punished for eternity. So it's yep. this, this human religious need to just kind of destroy your ability to have empathy for anybody, to kill that impulse to empathize with somebody who doesn't believe the same thing as you do. And it's, I mean, I sometimes wondered whether the atheists or the Mithraic were supposed to be the worst or if they're being more balanced kind of feels sometimes like they want the Mithraic to be the worst here. That it's like humanity's worst impulses there. Yeah, no. I mean, there's not a lot of good people on either side. I like how at one point Sue says basically, you know, these are the people that destroyed our planet. I'm like, did they? Or was it kind of like both sides destroyed the planet? Kind of, kind of. But I mean, I think it was the Mithraic that created those necromancer bots that are just horrifying. Like, you know, when their creator, the real campion, or sorry, the first campion was trying to reprogram mother. And one of the tests was that he brought her a baby and then said, well, it's an atheist baby from the camps. And she killed it. And it turned out to be another android made to look like a baby. But that was just like, that was what she was programmed to do. If it was an atheist, Mm -hmm. it was going to die. I did not matter how helpless it was. Yeah. And I keep wondering, you know, because they did mention that, you know, the necromancers, they nobody really understands how the necromancer thing works because basically they were built from old Mithraic texts. And some of those texts, I guess they've found some writing on the walls in Kepler. So there could have been, they could have come from here, whatever. And then when they realized that Marcus was a fraud, they actually like, you know, hit him in the head. And then he made him eat mother's eyes, which were on the bag around his neck, which I thought, uh, I think if you were really mad at somebody wanted to kill them, would you take the time to make them eat these eyes? I mean, why not just, why not? Why doesn't anybody ever destroy the eyes? Why does our, they always got to carry him around. But so I'm wondering what's going to happen with that. But I'm following a thread here. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> Hunter's arc, um, calling Father Pops and everything. One of my favorite moments, probably of the series, you know, we've had Father, who had had all of his memories wiped out, but his one finger was like twitching a little bit, which mm-hmm. Hunter realized, oh, it's Morse code. And then what he was saying was like, Saul is light. He was like, oh, wow, that really is just, you know, I thought maybe that was really you in there. But then he kind of like opens him up at one point to try and see if he can restore his original programming and asked for a password and he's like Saul is light and it worked he's like are are you there are you there and father looks at him and just very slowly smiles and says an android a black hole and a glass of milk walk into a bar and I'm like yay (laughs) (laughs) so fun that both of them just they just looked so delighted it was great and so you know here is a guy you know that Hunter does not believe that father has a soul because you know androids don't have souls animals don't have souls, trees don't have souls, whatever. And yet he's changing about that. I mean, is it like he's still a Mithraic, but his ideas are definitely getting revised. Yeah, you could see a lot of that when the Mithraic first took over the um, the colony, mother and father's colony, and everyone's out building this church, because of course, that's the first thing you do when you're trying to survive on a new planet is build a friggin' church. But Tempest is carrying stones, too. And Hunter runs up and is like, no, you should be resting. And she's like, no, I've got to work. And he said, you need to tell them they would give you special treatment. And she said, I don't want special treatment. I want to be left alone. And Hunter... He, he honored that. He didn't tell anybody that she was actually pregnant with the uh, person that attacked her aboard the Ark. I think that was the first real sign that he had changed. And he just, because 
he was getting empathy. He was actually starting to acknowledge that there are other people yes. with emotions and needs other than himself and what he wanted. Now, he's not perfect because he and Paul and Holly are all still going with the line about, oh, well, if mother's having a baby, it must have been created by Saul. I'm like, oh, stop that impulse to like not think about things. Just say, because Saul. That is, that yeah. is also kind of, you know, on the nose, I think. Yes, a little bit, but... And there was something else that I wanted to address, and I'm not sure if I'm on the mark here. So the character of Mother, she's always been very focused on her programming and their directive and what they were supposed to do. And she would be relentlessly positive about everything and smiling and telling people what to do and why they needed to do it and just assuming everybody would go on. She's really a narcissist, isn't she? I mean, I know it's all programming, but especially when she told father about how she came to have this baby and how it happened and what she had been doing and everything. And it just caught her completely by surprise that anybody would be upset by any of that. And I don't know how much is, well, she's an android and she doesn't understand things, but father's an android too. And father obviously has developed emotions. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that mother's having a little bit of a transformation too. Although it's going to be really hard for her to have a full on redemption arc after she killed all of those people aboard the Ark, including all of the children in that room yes. that she did not rescue when she brought yeah. um, the other five. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, I would say that they gloss over it, but no, it's definitely been thrown in her face a few times. It's just like, really? So you care about humanity, do you? You know, you killed a lot of people. And there's another thing that I wanted to know. We saw her, like, covering over her eyes so because she was still weaponized at the time and going into the room with all the children and greeting the littlest one and saying hello and then we don't see anything else until she you know lands on the planet with the five children that she brought along how did she convince those five to come with her how did she keep all the others from following how did she keep all the others from raising the alarm we really don't know i have no idea that could be who knows it's either we just are going to have to assume, or they're going to have a scene that addresses it later on. That's the nice thing about jumping over stuff like that. We could get that scene eventually. Yeah. Just like we could get the android head, somebody goes and finds him at the bottom of the cliff. You know, it could happen. I just, I wanted to know what her criteria was for the children that she chose, because you would think if she's trying to keep an atheist colony going, why would she get Hunter? Hunter would have not been my first choice for an atheist colony. Uh, also, it's a hell of a coincidence, or maybe it's not a coincidence. I don't know. I mean, the fact that out of all the kids that she got, one of them was the son of one of the men that came to the camp to try and steal Campion that she left alive. So maybe that wasn't a coincidence that she happened to get his son. Maybe she realized the connection between them and thought that might be helpful later on or realized that, I don't know, this is an atheist in disguise. Here's his son. If we're technically on the same side, I should probably grab his son. You know, it's just kind of, I I have no idea. I don't know. know. And did she know Tempest was pregnant when she grabbed her? So we really don't know. It would make a lot of sense if she did because they are trying to start humanity again. So, you know, hey, that's a pretty good starter kit right there. Get one that's already (laughs) pregnant. Oh, God. I just, oh, man, I can't say it enough. The scene where that guy that uh, had a attacked um, Tempest when she was asleep. Man, that was satisfying when he died. I'd been waiting for that. Because, of course, when he showed up, I was like, because he has to be alive when they mention him. They can't have, like, the driver of a lot of Tempest motivation being just dead off camera. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, man. But he also served the purpose in 
mentioning that he heard Saul's voice telling him to do these terrible things and that Marcus is realizing how similar he is to crazy guy because he's hearing all these voices. But then this whole thing about the orphan in the wilderness Mm -hmm. and who's going to be like the chosen child. And they were thinking, oh, it's got to be Campion. He's definitely an orphan. And then they suddenly realize, oh, my God, Paul is technically an orphan because his parents are actually dead, even if he doesn't know it. But now Marcus is just like, I'm an orphan, too. So it must be me. And I'm like, man, this prophecy, God, a moving target. Holy cow. But the person who had attacked Tempest was talking to Saul, but he was begging for Saul to talk to him again, to tell him that he was right, to not abandon him. So it does seem like this voice will make someone be the chosen one for a little while until they do what they required him to do. And then they kind of chuck them out. But I'm wondering how much of what Marcus is like at the end of the last episode of season one, because it seemed like he was in an altered state after eating mother's eyes, having mother's eyes. And I couldn't tell if he like swallowed them or chewed them up. And that was what he was drooling out there. But I don't know. I don't uh, know. I don't know. Man, that that scene where mother was um, giving birth to the baby and like, damn it, up chucking all of that milk, whatever it was. I was just, I turned to Nathan and this is why Elizabeth didn't much care for this particular scene. I'm sure. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I was like, oh man, you guys got so close. They're really, wasn't a lot. There was some drooly android milk coming out of people's mouths every once in a while, but there wasn't like a really gross upchuck scene. And I'm like, you couldn't make it all the way through. Last episode and you had to put that shit in there. Ah, but that's fine. You know, whatever. Well, I didn't mind that so much because we still don't know what that stuff is that, you know, is inside mother and father as androids. But the fact that it's not like food related that she's, you know, throwing up. But Nathan was wondering, Ridley Scott was the director of the first two episodes. And I think he had a lot of input on the creative design for things. Now he was also, of course, the director of Aliens, where you have the, and Alien, where you have the androids that spit up milk when they're torn apart, whatever like that. Why the fuck? That is what Nathan was wondering. It's like, why always with this milk stuff inside androids? What is that all about? I mean, I get that they want to do something that is identifiable as not human blood, but it's just really weird how pervasive it is. Yeah, no, I actually assumed... I have to think that part of it is the same reason why in um, uh, Friday the 13th, the series. Exactly what I was thinking about. Exactly. People have stuff coming out of their mouths and, you know, it's blood would have been too much. The censors wouldn't have let you have that much blood pouring out of people's mouths. So they put this white milky stuff and that gets past the censors. But I also... That could have been, like, the reason why they did it in the first Aliens movie. Maybe, though, with all the chest-bursting stuff going on, I mean, the censors have got to be pretty um, okay with violence and gore at this point. But I think it's – I think you're right, though. I think it's just to show that this is how you know that it's not a human being. Just like in Lore Olympus, when one of the Olympians gets hurt, they don't bleed. They have that golden ichor that comes out. That's how you know they're not human. So I figured that. But I feel that a couple of the recaps have floated the idea that these androids in this bear a hell of a lot of resemblance to the androids over in Aliens. So is there a connection in the worlds? Could oh, that would be awesome. I would love Definitely. a shared world on something like that. Yeah. But I've, I've seen most of the Prometheus movie, the, uh-huh. sort of the, you know, I don't know, it's not a sequel, I guess it's a prequel to the Aliens movie and everything. I remember it was incredibly violent. Like I was watching it in the kitchen at mom and dad's place, kind of out of the corner of my eye being like, oh my God, I mean, I know the Aliens movies are violent, but this is super violent. But yeah, I wonder 
if I would pick up any more connections if I watched the other one of those movies. Maybe. I still haven't seen either of those. I need to watch it sometime. I mean, yeah, violence, but obviously we're okay with violence if we saw the first episode of Raised by Wolves and still stuck around for more. Hey, that's the thing that I didn't realize either. You know, this whole time Raised by Wolves, I was thinking in the terms of like the kids out in the wilderness who are raised by wolves, like Mowgli in The Jungle Book. And I hadn't realized the connection also of Romulus and Remus being raised by the mother wolf and them going on to found civilization. They made a mention to Romulus and Remus. I'm like, oh, that's an even better connection with the name. Yeah, they did bring up that, the um, the tooth that one of them, I can't remember if it was, yes. the, it was the tooth of one of the Romulus or Remus or the wolf that guarded them. And that was where she decided, so, yeah. ooh, this now gives me the strength of Saul. So that is an interesting tie-in right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that Mother is definitely a Mother Wolf, for sure. She so. sure is. And they made sure to make that obvious, like when she was going crazy at one point and she was digging up those um, old snake skeletons. And that was obviously, you know, acting like a wolf. And I think she did that howl when uh, Tally was, uh, when she realized Tally had fallen down one of those holes. Yeah. So yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, man, that's an amazing series. And I really need to get started on the second season because, wow, because I've been seeing a lot of positive reviews of the storyline. Like apparently it's got a Rotten Tomatoes review of like almost a hundred percent. Oh, wow. I think people are really happy about that. I also, you know, he says that he's got enough story to do like six or seven seasons. That's what his arc is. And he said that he could, this is the showrunner, by the way, that he could definitely truncate it if he needed to, but he hopes he doesn't need to. And I'm like, I hope that as well. For one, you know, I like a good long running series that I can sink my teeth in, but I also want to make sure that they do end it correctly. You know, we've talked about on this podcast a bunch of times about how it's really hard to jump into a series when you know that it doesn't have a good ending. So it's always just like flying without a parachute when we're actually doing the thing that most normal people do. We're watching the episodes as they come out. Yeah, isn't that amazing? We're just trusting that this is going to be worth our time. Oh, man. Yeah, I was actually listening to the Best Pick podcast, and they were talking about True Blood. And one of them had actually watched the whole series, and they really loved the first few seasons where they yes. said it so went off the rails by the end of it. Oh, no, man. It was like, I know the showrunner left, but it was seriously like like a religious person got a hold of it afterwards because the end of it is just everybody's gets hooked up and has babies, you know, and that's, that's how they end. And so they're all happy. I mean, even the vampires are having babies, maybe, I don't know. But it was, yeah, it was just like, really? After all the fun, sexy, good, violent vampire times that we have, and it ends with them all sitting around a table having a family dinner. I'm like, what the hell's happening? <laughs> but I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. I mean, we could continue talking about this. Mostly it's just the delivery of lines is so cool. But I was realizing that as I was like writing down some of my favorite lines, it was how the actors put them across. I really think the acting, I mean, obviously the story is just really bonkers, but I think the actors are really selling it. And anything else I say is just going to be rehashing that ground. So, oh, make sure to check out pixeladygeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the fan art galleries. Oscar season is here. Uh-huh. And we have already started getting a lot of movie reviews on the site. I always 
like to see if we can get enough movie reviews to cover as many of the categories as possible. Having Hugh, our Instagram reviewer, having him on board is good because that guy does a lot of reviews. So um, make sure to check out the Oscar tag on the site and keep checking back all the way from now until March. We're going to put up a bunch more reviews. Yeah, I understand that the power of dog with a Benedict Cumberbatch, it's kind of theirs to lose as far as the Best Picture nomination. Everybody's got 12 noms. So it's, um, yeah, now I'm very curious about that. But I think tomorrow night, Nathan, and I might be going to see Licorice Pizza, which oh, also yeah. has a lot of good reviews. Yeah, I have heard a lot of good stuff about that. Yeah, I was talking with Leland, who, you know, is at the uh, House of Secrets comic shop in Burbank and also writes reviews for the sites. And I had an opportunity to possibly get a hold of a review copy of Nightmare Alley, which is Guillermo del Toro's Oscar-nominated one. Um, Leland is just like, uh, no, I don't need that one. I saw it. It was bad. It was so bad it made me angry. And I'm like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. He, I don't know. It's just He said that the acting is good, that he likes the actors, but he said there were so many plot holes and it was really boring. And I'm like, man, because that got a few Oscar noms, and I thought. But it is also true that I was a little surprised when I saw it got Oscar-nominated because that movie came out and then I didn't hear anybody saying anything else about it. I'm thinking, nope, that's not usually a good sign. Nope. But yeah, make sure to keep on looking for that. All that and more. Pixelatedgeek.com. So we will have a Night Vale episode to recap next week. Um, I don't know. We did pretty good this week. Last week we said, we've got all these things we need to get caught up on. What are we going to do? Let's finish up first season of Raised by Wolves. And we did it. We so. did it. We managed it. Should we set ourselves something else? Should we try to maybe go see um, Spider-Man No Way Home? Or, oh, man. or maybe yeah. just at the very least watch Encanto since that's one's up for a, a Oscar nom? I think that sounds like a good, I like that idea. Yeah, because Hannah watched, of course, a friend of the podcast and sister Hannah saw it and really enjoyed it. Um, thought the music was good. Interesting that the song that got nominated for best song from that movie is not the one that people are really humming along to. And apparently it was just the one that got the nod was the only one they submitted, I guess. So, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the best pick podcast people were talking about that too. That it's like mm-hmm. it's very odd that the breakout song from that movie is not the one that got nominated. Oh, well, but yeah, I think that's going to be our goal. Let's say we're going to do that. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> and yes. we can actually stick to a plan sometimes. Sometimes, every once in a while, but one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later.
out of all the kids. Us. Hang on a second. There was another. Oh, God. I'm just like all these random things that I'm remembering. Oh, my God. Uh, sorry, there was a really huge lag there for a second there in case I lost you. <laughs> yeah, you, you froze for a little while. Yeah, your voice just like stretched out like taffy, but I think we're back okay. together now. Oh, you know what? I'm going to check because I would feel like an absolute idiot if I get that one wrong. I had someplace I was going to go with that. We had another frozen thing, so I hope I don't end up repeating anything that you've said because I you really like slowed out and then you sped back up again. And then I was like, oh, I just missed what you said, but I'll get it in the edit. It's fine. Okay.